Hello, Equity family. This is Alex. Equity, as we've mentioned a couple of times, is off the back half of this week. And so thinking about what to do to keep you informed and entertained, we decided to throw in an episode of Found. Found is the other kind of main TC podcast done by Jordan Crook and Daryl Etherington. And uh, it's quite good. It's all about founders. So if you are in the mood for a vamp with some neat people building early stage companies, this is for you. In the meantime, Equity is back to our regular schedule on Monday morning. We'll talk to you then. Okay, bye. Hey, this is Daryl Etherington from TechCrunch, and I'm here with my fellow failure, my fellow uh, unable to achieve anythinger. <laughs> oh my god! I I suggested fellow failure. I did not suggest to go any further at all. But yes, I'm here. My name's Jordan. You know that listening to these two. <laughs> Losers means that you're listening to Found, a weekly podcast from TechCrunch where we interview people who are actually successful. <laughs> Startup we founders. Not, I like to think of them as overachievers. We interview real tryhards. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but yeah, every week, every week a different entrepreneur comes on the show for some reason. <laughs> because we asked them nicely, but I'm always surprised when they say yes. And then we talk about their startup journey and kind of why they decided to become an entrepreneur to begin with and why they went and took the leap and were brave enough to go and, and build the thing. And then we talk about stuff like fundraising and also, you know, company culture. And this week was a really good one. It was, this week was a, a thrilling time. I liked it a lot. We talked to Sarah Spangello from Swarm. She's CEO and co-founder uh, Swarm, which is a space company that builds really tiny, cute, adorable satellites. Go look them up. These are all 100% objectively true mm -hmm. things. They are internet connectivity satellites, but they basically just create a network that uh, can provide you with like a few kilobytes of bandwidth. So roughly equivalent to like really old school dial-up internet, but that's all a lot of things need to convey kind of like basic essential information, including stuff like geo-coordinates and, you know, just like messages about like the status of equipment for IoT monitoring. But Jordan, what did you think of our chat with Sarah? I mean, I think it's really good that you outlined all of that because we didn't really talk about Didn't really that, talk about that. Like at no. all. We talked about leading a growing company. Yes. And like when I say it that way, it makes it sound like very brochure-y, but I, it actually wasn't to me. Like it was one of our more refreshingly candid conversations with someone who was like shared her actual experiences, talked about like some actual real life tactics, right? Like yeah, that yeah. were really interesting that I hadn't thought about before in terms of like how to connect with other people and communicate with them, work effectively with them. So that was really good. And she also said, I don't know to the question. She was like, I don't know, which was really cool too, to the stuff that is in the future. It's like very real advice about how to run a growing, but very small, very early company. By the end of it, I was like, I wish, I wish Sarah was my boss. I wish it wasn't Jordan. I wish it was Sarah instead. <laughs> <laughs> This is great content, and you're going to love the episode. Yes, you'll especially enjoy Sarah. She has lots of great insight to impart. So enjoy this episode. Hi, Sarah. How's it going? Good. How are you guys? Good. Great. We were just talking about puppies before you joined us, actually. Jordan got a puppy. That's exciting. <laughs> I wish I was responsible enough to be able to have a puppy <laughs> i don't think anybody ever really is to be honest i'm just like figuring it out i'm like oh my god you're supposed to eat hold on i like the idea that you're responsible enough to manage a constellation of satellites up in space but not a dog here on earth sarah <laughs> that's not exactly my job we have more organized people maybe for that job <laughs> yeah so let's talk about that. Can you can you just give us a bit of background on Swarm, um, just for the listeners and and for us here too as well? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So um, Swarm has been around for about four and a half years. We started Swarm to try to bring affordable connectivity to the world. And we do that with really tiny satellites that we developed. And we have now we have 93 satellites in space, which is kind of crazy to think about early mm -hmm. on, you know, la launching our first four and then just scaling up from there. And what I'm really excited about with Swarm is that obviously I studied aerospace engineering and physics and all these things growing up and through university and grad school. And it's cool to be able to take that 
knowledge and background and start to have real impact on the world. And we're seeing that this year as we bring our commercial product to market and starting to connect, you know, water wells and moisture sensors and asset trackers and tuna fishing buoys and weather stations. And that's really what we're doing is connecting devices that tend to be distributed all around the world that are trying to bring back a small amount of really valuable data. And we're doing it at a totally different price point. So our price point is $5 per device per month, which someone mentioned is less than a Netflix subscription, which I think is a pretty cool (laughs) observation. That's like 20 times lower cost than satellite has ever been previously. So that allows us to bring connectivity to devices that were never connected before, open new markets. And that's what we're doing with Swarm. And it's it's an exciting time as we start to commercialize. Do you ever get tired of the like brief here's the company that i built like kind of this like you know what i mean like the this same a, way that people like who have done question, music for 20 years like mariah carey i'm sure at a certain point is like if i have to hear all i want of the hits yeah. one, <laughs> one more, more time. time or if i have to sing yeah. it one more time like do you ever feel like you're just like yeah. losing your mind yeah that you were gonna say do you ever get tired and i was gonna say yes always <laughs> but then i said losing your mind and i made it a yeah. little bit more intense okay so like tired is fair yeah um, but but definitely, I actually tried to like spice it up for you guys because I feel like I do have this like Ooh. soundtrack that I do for like you know employees, investors, and customers. Like literally everybody I talk to, I have to kind of like tell them about the company, and like it's out. It starts to sound really buzzwordy, like right. low Even cost not, connectivity, yeah. blah blah blah. Like yeah, it, it does. So I I try to like. I don't know, be slightly authentic or like slightly like will always be authentic, but like slightly targeted to their interests. You know, like if they're a software engineer, really there's different things. If there's an investor, a slightly different angle. To Jordan's point, right? Like we, we also do a lot of things that are pretty repetitious in terms of like Jordan hosting Disrupt, you must say the same Whatever do you stuff. mean? <laughs> 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 and like, you know, especially the outro to this that I record, like the boilerplate one, it's pretty, pretty box standard. But like, I, I would imagine it'd be less annoying if it's something that you built because you really wanted to go out there and see it in the world. <laughs> like if it's a startup, yeah. if it's the startup that you built, you must kind of like, there must be part of you that's still like, oh, I'm really excited to even say this because it exists and that's really cool. Or are you just like, no. <laughs> Does that also deplete over time is a good question. Yeah, like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like they'll be like, oh, I'm beaming with pride. And then you're like, I've said this so many times. Like <laughs> just know what it is already, whole world. Like let's get, <laughs> to the next step. <laughs> um, I think that the cool thing about a startup is that it's different every day, right? So like I can say 92 satellites today and like we're launching 28 satellites in 14 days. So then I can be like, okay, we're over a hundred. We're commercially live. The team is growing. So I think it's like the dynamic nature that keeps it somewhat interesting. But yeah, I mean, as you know, in my job, like I feel like I'm constantly selling Swarm, and I I probably should just like record myself giving like the two minute over you and over you and like play it on the phone and then like reengage. Yeah, but yeah. that <laughs> I don't know how don't that would that. go over. Like, so <laughs> and then you just play Stone Face. Like, play I actually like wrote about a startup recently that you can like make a video. So you like send in video of yourself and you like mm. say a certain script or whatever, and then like their AI will create videos for you. So you just go in and type whatever it is you want to say, and it'll like generate that video of you. You're like avatar. It's like deep fakes, but oh. like with a mission, but, you know, or something. Yeah, because you want the deep fakes in this case. You want, yeah, this, in this case, the deep fake is efficiency. But uh, it's, yeah, I know, it's slippery slope. Like. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, but like getting back on track though, on the like issue of repeating yourself, I actually like someone really, I forget who it was, and I never really remember who tells me these really smart things that kind of just ring in my ears and I repeat over and over and over again. But someone smart said, like managing or like leading anything is essentially just repeating yourself. Hmm. Right. A lot I, I, and being I okay saw with that, that recently. Yeah, yeah. I saw that come up recently too. I wish I could remember the source, but and and we talk about this too actually, Jared, when we talk about kind of like the site is like we're going to have to say this over and over and over again and nothing is ever going to change that and we just have to be yeah. okay with that, right? There's no like process uh, we can build that like means we say something one time and right. I just wonder if that's something that you ever think about Sarah or that's something that like comes up for you because it's like 
you know, when you're hiring, when you're leading a team, when you're like selling, like it's just repeating yourself and trying to keep it interesting. And like you said, tailoring it for the right audience. Yeah, I think, you know, a big part of my job is like, I just got off the phone with investors, and then I'll talk to other investors. And then I'll talk to, you know, people in the lab. And then I'll talk to people I'm trying to hire, I'll talk to customers. And you do repeat yourself a lot. And you start to really think about like, did I even set the right direction at the beginning? (laughs) (laughs) Because this is affecting everything throughout the org. And then Am I communicating it effectively? And you definitely learn when you're not because people will be like, I didn't know we were doing that. And you're like, this is the most important thing. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, wow, okay. And then you just see the value of like over communicating and also the value of like just sitting quietly like once a quarter, usually I do. And like, what is our goal for the Mm. quarter? Like what is our actual top, top goal? And then that typically makes all of the other conversations a little bit easier. Right. Because everyone's like, okay, yes, we're trying to like North Star on this thing. And then I understand where my position is. And then just, you know, repeating yourself and being consistent. You know, people hear what they want to hear in all hands and stuff. So it's also really important to like, my new motto is like, the only constant is change. (laughs) Because then if anything changes... That's what I said, and I'm consistent. I'm not like a crazy person. <laughs> no, I was going to say that, exactly, because you were talking about like the one of the things that keeps repeating yourself, especially with like, here's what this company is and does, is the fact that it changes and you get like this burst of energy from the fact that you're like growing and like the, you know, things are moving. For me, sometimes like just to really be super vulnerable and honest, like sometimes if I change my mind, I like don't even want to change my mind because I'm like, oh. Now I have to like trickle this down and I said something else and it was the wrong thing. Like I should have said this, but I didn't. And now I have to go through that whole process. Right. Again. And some people will call you out for it, right? And be like, well, that's inconsistent. Like, I think that's, in my experience, one of the things that's also hardest about like leading any kind of team is like your team members will point out inconsistencies, especially if like that's their natural bent or whatever. Right. And then like, kind of like, this is the less charitable way of like interpreting it, but like use it against you. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It's true though. Politics. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely. And I think I really try to, this sounds like so formal, but I think that after, you know, four and a half years, I really start to develop like frameworks and I guess being an engineer, maybe that's like a tendency for me, but like, okay, this is like our compensation and equity framework. This is our hiring framework. This is our project management framework. And if you have a framework that like, even if it's like, you know, just like basically like a hanger of an outline, it's like a triangle, <laughs> but it's something that people can hang stuff on and you can refer back to. I think that that tends to be a really helpful tool to gain and maintain trust. Yeah. What feels difficult about it? I'm just like fully learning how to be a good leader for me at this moment. Like <laughs> this whatever. Is like <laughs> professional like, development for Jordan. Yeah, yeah. This is chief right now, but with one man, Daryl. Um, no. So like, what about when you're establishing a framework? Because like, how do you know you're fully right, right from the beginning? And then if you have to change it, that like inconsistency is called out even more than like pre any framework existing and just being like, Hey, do it this way. Maybe this time. And you're like, Oh no, no, no. We have this whole thing and this flow for you. And I'm going to change it once a month because I realized how wrong I was the first time over and over. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's like total chaos for like the first, like four and three quarters or a quarter year. (laughs) (laughs) I just got comfortable. Just, just, I think you, and I think you make frameworks almost like, you know, at a startup, like our philosophy was always like, no process, no process until something breaks. And then like when that one thing breaks and you like, don't have the part you need to hit the deadline and you end up spending like a hundred K to do the thing. Then you're like, okay, now we have, we need an ordering process. Cause like that wasn't cool. That mistake cost us too much. So yeah, these frameworks don't like, yeah, I think if you started a startup with frameworks, you would immediately die because you'd have way too much process. But just over time, develop like a very minimum to survive and and mainly out of like pain. Like, you know, you have this bad experience and now you're like, okay, we need to put something in place so that this doesn't happen again and the minimum so that it doesn't happen again. I think that's another tension that comes up a lot is like people, people feel that pain and then they build the process and then like they go into other experiences and they're like, 
well, why don't I just start with the process and that way I'll avoid the pain altogether, right? I mean, I've done that, right? I've done that going to companies that were a lot more dynamic than ones that I had previously been at, for example, right? Like I was at Apple, Apple's like heavy, heavy process, right? They don't document it, but there's process everywhere and it's very strict. And then I went to Shopify and Shopify is allergic to process. Like Toby still to this day is like, do not say that word. Do not say the P word in my presence, <laughs> <laughs> which is extreme for a company of that size. Right. But like I was bringing that the, the Apple experience and trying to retrofit it back. And it was like, this does not work at all. So do you think you have to go through that pain thing? Like, is that the right way to do it is to go and hit those walls and feel that pain? Or do you think you can sidestep it in, in any cases? I don't know. I feel like you said before, like pain, that's how you do it. Pain, minimum yeah. process as a layering mechanism. Yeah, I think I think you have it, Jordan. At least that's what we've done with Swarm. I, I'm not going to say that I'm an expert at this. I mean, I've only done one company. But I've been at places with a lot more process, Google and JPL. Right. And even academia, which is like ultra process, right? And I think that just the experiences there were like, oh my God, we're getting in the in the way of ourselves. Like we can't get out of ourselves way to like move forward yeah. productively. So starting with like absolute minimum, nothing. I also think that you have to be able to just like do everything when you start a startup. That's like one of the key things. And if you're doing everything, like then there doesn't have to be a process because I'm just doing everything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you bring in more people, that's when you need it. Did you not try to like build some sort of process when you're doing everything where you're like, okay, well, I can be more efficient if I focus on like these this category of task, right? Like, oh, today's like fund fundraising day. And I like only talk to investors today. And then like tomorrow's sales day or like this day's like engineering day or whatever. Or was it just like, nope, whatever comes, like I'm just kind of like stream of consciousness, Miss Dallowaying swarm. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's definitely the second thing. Um, and I, I think that it's maybe a bit me, like, I don't like, I'm definitely not like ADHD, like wasn't diagnosed or anything, but I do have those tendencies, but it's also a pro. So like my co-founder, he like invents stuff like thrusters and satellites and it's really brilliant and stuff. But like, you could be like, Ben, Ben, Ben. And he like, won't hear you for five minutes. Cause he's like in the zone focused, but it takes him like 20 minutes to get back in that zone. I'm like the exact opposite. I can be like, answering an email, answering a question over my shoulder, thinking about something else, like, you know, biking in. I'm like, okay, there's four things I need to do when I get there and like numerize them and like prioritize them. Like I'm very spastic, but I actually think that that's good as a CEO because you don't just sit down and do a task usually for a right. few hours. You're constantly having to balance different things. And I think especially early on, you know, if an investor wants to talk, like, yeah, talk to an investor. Like, that might be your only shot. You're not going to be like, hey, Tuesday is my investor day. Like, not free right now. <laughs> wow, you just made me sound so dumb. I, like, didn't even think about that. But that's so no, no, no. true. Sorry, sorry. Investor <laughs> was like, like, no, I, I can only do Monday morning. And you're like, no, no, no. That's engineering day. <laughs> right, sorry, right. bro. I wish I had a little bit more discipline around, you know, allocating time to different things. But I'm, at this point, it's just, like, firefighting. Like, I'm just like sales, like we need to do something for sales. And then like three hours later, I'm like recruiting, go, go, go. And then I'm like product. It's just whatever's stressing me out the most, like even on a subconscious level, like I wake up and I'm like, what am I most stressed about? And then I'll like put effort in there. Mm. And it's usually pretty like intuitively right. Yeah. That that's like what needs to happen. Sounds like also like you're bringing like one of the freedoms of running a company and starting a company is that like. Like, okay, this is actually who I am as a person and this is my personality and like how I function. And so like things are going to be built around, you know, whatever process does come creep in in any way is going to be built around like this methodology that I need, right? Like that's who I am. Yeah. And so other founders might do something totally different, right? Like if you're super disciplined and need that kind of focus, you know, I'm curious like how you guys work together. If he, if Ben gets in like super zones and you're like, 14 things stressed me out today and I focused on all of them and like <laughs> did a good job, you know? And he's like, well, I just did like one thing a lot, hardcore. Like, how do you communicate? Like, how do you like delegate and like divvy up tat? Like, you know what I mean? How does that work? Yeah, it's a great question. It's taken us a long time to get to where we are now, <laughs> I would say. Part of our like, I guess, advantage, but also disadvantage is that we're both technical. So we both like, got PhDs and worked in academia, worked at JPL, worked at NASA, et cetera. 
So we can do the technical work, but we're also both business minded, at least now I am. And Ben previously had a few companies. He sold two of his companies and he was the CEO. So like we can both, we can go in and out of technical and like equity investor strategy product conversations. So early on, part of our challenge was that whenever we would get a question, we would both jump on it because we could both answer it. So we actually like had to create this framework, bringing up one of my previous concepts. And we like created this, like I wrote on this piece of paper, I was like, column A is what Sarah talks about. Column B is what Ben talks about. And we had to like separate our domains so that we could just function. And there's more than enough work to go around. It's not like there's a lack of things to do. So we need to do the same thing that really strengthened things to have clear kind of who's the lead. And then we also have this thing where it's like, how much do you care about this on a scale of, of zero to 10? Because I think as like type A, like hyper, just intense people, we tend to like argue about everything. And then you'll have this like intense conversation and realize the other person is like a two, but they just wanted to like be right or argue <laughs> or whatever. And it's like, if, you're, if your care level is two, like go away, I'm doing this. So, But that must in itself be... Because what do you do? You What's like bring up the sheet? Do you do like do? I'm going to screen share for a minute, and then you like show the sheet, and you're like two, and then you like magnify in and zoom. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you just ask the person, and like I think you know we just have different strengths and weaknesses. Like I remember everything; he doesn't remember anything, so I'll just be like, "Yeah, we made this decision." And, like I was right. So. <laughs> what happens yeah. though when you're both yeah. like a 10 or or conversely like what if you're both like i feel like if me and daryl did this we would both be like two zero <laughs> yeah we would both be like we're both at a two and like do we just not do oh, it man. at all like it's the two for both of them i mean if it's a two it's easy just kind of like one's like okay let's do you whatever know, let's do a because it whatever let's just do it and it's 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 also really important to just make a decision in a startup like it can be the wrong decision but make a decision because yeah. then you can like you can start the team on something and you learn quick and then you can pivot. And that's like an incredible skill and also advantage of being a startup relative to like, you know, a NASA that takes five years to decide what mission they're doing. When we're both tens, I mean, it's pretty intense. We like go for a long hike. We yell at each other. We like try to bring data. It's, it's really intense, but we usually end up at a way better answer than if we'd both been twos or like, you know, one had been a 10 and one had been a, or something like that yeah i was gonna say like that would sound like it would actually make the result like so much more valuable right because you're like okay now we both super care and we are gonna really dig through this but you're also both like you both have scientific backgrounds right so like you have like a predilection towards like rational process and thought right like it's not like you're like i mean it's it sounds like you're also very emotional people but at least you have that understanding that like there is this other alternative that we can do and use and bring to bear on it. Cause I don't think everybody has that. Right. Some people will just be like, no, I feel this is awful and I can't defend it and go away forever. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, I think that's giving us uh, a lot of credit. So thank you for that. I think that sometimes, you know, although you're both logical, you both might be like seeing different conclusions off of the same data or just have different instincts on what to do next. And, and that's really tricky. And I think, you know, for a startup, you're like, go to market strategy. It's not science or physics based. It's like, I think people will want to buy online. Well, I think people will want to talk to people. Like, how are you going to break that tie other than testing both? Right. And that's what we tend to do a lot of is like, okay, you know what? I don't, I don't think you're right, but let's test it. Right. Let's put it on the website and see how it does. And then given that data, we can make a decision. And that's been a really good place to, I mean, it feels good on both sides because, you know, you're always kind of wondering, well, maybe I'm wrong. And at least this way we get to test that hypothesis and figure it out. And we're probably going to learn other stuff, too, if we kind of run this mini experiment. I, I, I post things a lot as experiments. Should we enter Latin America? Let's, let's do an experiment. Should we sell stuff on our website? Let's do an experiment. Should we hire this type of whatever? Let's do this experiment. And if you pose as an experiment, I think that resonates with the physics PhD uh, types. Yeah. yeah. I was going <laughs> to ask how you like, because you were talking about pivoting, right? Like how you do something like that. Like what is the straw that breaks the camel's back? Is it a conversation with Ben like we're describing where it's like, okay, we got to fight this out, like stay the course or turn right. And then how does that trickle down start to happen as yeah. well? You know, is it like an all hands where you're like, hey, everybody on the same page from moment one? Or are you like... 
let's bounce this off some of the folks in leadership. Like, let's see what they think, get buy-in. Like, Yeah, I would say that we haven't had like a hard pivot yet. I think that that would be really tricky. And a lot of startups do go through that. And like, we might. We've had, I would say, more like kind of evolution. Like, okay, we did this product. Now we need to do a variation on that product. But it's kind of different than what we thought. So I do think it's important to get buy-in from at least like the senior people that have been super involved and, you know, have people be part of that decision-making if it's going to create a lot of extra work for them. So I'd say it's like a, you know, a meeting with the right group and just kind of like, hey, this is the problem. Here's the solution. This is what we're seeing. Are we missing anything? Try to be pretty collaborative. But then also at the end of the day, if we make a decision, we're going a direction. Our team is is generally very good at like, okay, we're going that direction. And I, I think that's, pretty special. I think there's a lot of startups where people are just like, we're not doing that. (laughs) Um, And that like, you know, we've, we've earned trust and respect from our team and that's not given. It's definitely earned over time and it's not perfect, but I, I really appreciate that about our team that if we make a decision, it's like everybody, like we always say like seatbelts, seatbelts on helmets on, like, let's go. We're going into the fire. (laughs) We're going to do this. And I, I think that our team has seen us make, hopefully pretty reasonable decisions if we need to kind of extract ourselves or pivot yet again. And that we will do that given new information. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say like for you specifically, for Swarm specifically, like it probably helps that you've accomplished a lot already, right? Like you can go to the team and be like, look what we did. Like you should trust us because it's working. Right. So that, that helps. (laughs) (laughs) I've never tried that argument. (laughs) I I always tend to think like, you know, actions over words, like, you know, sometimes I'll say something and be like, but you know, you shouldn't like take my word for it. You should go verify that yourselves. But I think that's like kind of implicit, you know, newer people, there's still that element of like, you know, earning their kind of like trust and respect that decisions are going to be fair. It's an ongoing process. And, you know, and sometimes like, I think we mess up and like, we also just say like, I messed up, like that wasn't the right goal. That wasn't the right, right direction. And, you know, we're going to try to fix it now. And I I think that's, you know, people appreciate that like kind of humanity that like not everyone's perfect and you can't predict the future and we're doing something crazy. We're doing, we're creating a satellite internet network with 30 people with $35 million. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> three, t- three times that's as many satellites as you have people now, then, I guess, or roughly. Oh. That's the one line version of the what is swarm before. It's like we're building satellite internet with 30 people and $35 million. I like the Netflix well, line. it is kind me. of like, oh, whoa. What's going on here? You know what I mean? Like, it definitely is like, yeah. I need to know more. If you're listening to Found, you're probably already super interested in startups and the overall startup ecosystem. So we've got a great deal for you. We're going to offer you 50% off either a one-year or a two-year subscription to Extra Crunch. Extra Crunch is TechCrunch's premium product offering. And when you go there, you'll get deep dive interviews with some of the top founders in the industry. You'll get market maps on specific verticals and some of the most exciting areas of growth in startup land. You'll also get uh, surveys of some of the top VCs in different areas, including different geographies. So you can subscribe to Extra Crunch at extracrunch.com. That's probably the easiest way. Or if you're already on TechCrunch, follow the links for Extra Crunch and you'll get a prompt to subscribe and then just enter that code that's found, the name of this podcast, during checkout and you'll get 50% off on either a one-year or a two-year subscription. The TechCrunch Equity Podcast is brought to you by Red Hat. Let's say your business needs to migrate from one cloud to another. Unless your software supports the new provider, things can get complicated fast. Red Hat gives you the flexibility to choose whichever cloud you want. Their enterprise open source software runs on AWS, Microsoft Azure, Google Cloud, IBM Cloud, and more. With Red Hat, clouds that compete can still connect. That's why their code is open. For more, visit redhat.com slash techcrunch. I, I wanted to ask about the like the NASA background, and I'm curious too when you're talking about people coming in and like, are they mostly also coming from places like NASA, or are like who are you hiring in, and do you think that affects it and the way you work? Like, it seems like 
maybe that's a part of having worked in that kind of environment, right? Because I get, I would assume it's very collegial and people are like, let's talk out our ideas and like hash it out. Or where are you getting folks and how has it, how has it been integrating them into this kind of team? Yeah. So like we, we take everyone. We're not, <laughs> <laughs> we're not discriminatory or preferential. I actually think it's really good to have a mix of people that have worked in academia, industry, startups, Google, Apple, Amazon, those are like, I guess, where most people mm. have come from. Yeah, I, I, I actually, yeah, I think it's good to have diversity is probably the main thing. Like all sorts of diversity, you know, mainly where they're from, we're talking about here. Yeah. And I think that we tend to make sure that people join for the right reasons, which, which tend to be like, they want to work in a place where they're going to have a lot of responsibility and autonomy. And they're going to progress their careers probably at an accelerated path, especially if they're early in their careers, because they're going to come in as like an individual contributor. And then in like three years, they're going to be like managing a small team and have like just totally like their career path is probably like 10x where they would be if they had gone to like, you know, a, a slower moving company or a bigger company and that they're mission focused. And it doesn't need to be that they're like so passionate about connectivity, but I tend to look for like, mission alignment rather than mission Mm -hmm. focus so like if someone is like i want to come in and build a hundred million dollar sales org i'm like that's great because that we need that to be successful so your mission is aligned like it's parallel to my mission Um, or i want to come in and build really cool products that will save people's lives awesome that's also like super but not somebody who's like i want to come in and black out the entire internet across the globe that's like no no no. now you're it's a it's counter that's counter what a weird dark joke (laughs) (laughs) do people want to do that actually people want to do that i mean how do you i mean now i'm on i'm on this path and it's you can't turn back so now i need to know how you ensure that you don't have any infiltrators who are going to come in and black out our internet. <laughs> I think someone that wanted to do that, like from like a security perspective, who could also figure out how to protect you against that would actually be very valuable. Right, if they here. were a white hat. Because we have to worry yeah. about like, yeah, security. What and if they were posing as a stuff. white hat, but they weren't a white hat? <laughs> I mean, that's the, that's the eternal risk, Jordan. I'm, I'm literally creating hypothetical pain so that you will create a problem. <laughs> Let's get a framework going for this. You're, you're actually making me think that I have no way. I know. I know. I was watching it come over your face. I literally watched it happen live. Oh, it's lovely. <laughs> It was like, <laughs> like, wait, hold on. Well, yeah. I don't know if any companies have that, though, do they? Like, that's a bit of an outlier use case, probably. I don't know. I mean, but like any company, like, like, we're at Verizon. That, yeah. <laughs> like, people could come try to work at Verizon and do bad things. That's true. We should ask our boss. Am I giving away my secrets? Oh, I'm just <laughs> yeah, Jordan, for instance, <laughs> could come work at Verizon and do bad things. <laughs> be like, yeah, we've seen your work. You're not capable of that. <laughs> Okay, well, where do we want to go now, Daryl? I kind of want to hear, like, why you personally wanted to do this, like, just at the outset. That's going far, far back. But, like, what made the decision where you're like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to leave my existing gig and go do this thing. I I really wish I had a better answer, but I would say it was, like, very organic and really small iterative steps. So Ben and I had been working on this concept of this super tiny satellite, and he was like, I'm going to fly satellites for fun after he sold his first company, which I guess is kind of a weird thing to do. But um, if you knew Ben, you would know that was totally normal. And I was like, cool, I've designed a lot of satellites, Like, but we should work together. I can help you. And then we did some calculations and realized that our satellites could communicate with devices on the ground. So these were just hobby satellites at this point? or They were, they were like hobby. We're going to try to test mm. out some new like attitude control schemes and some okay. other things. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, hobby satellites started as that. And then we like did some math and we were like, Jesus, these can communicate with small devices on the ground at, you know, something between like one and three kilobits per second, which is like the worst internet that you had in the nineties, right. you know, or whatever, like dial up internet. But that's actually really useful if you're trying to communicate and just send back like text messages. So like think of a weather station, just bringing back the weather station coordinates or even an asset tracker, just like GPS, latitude, longitude, and SOS, like that could save your life. And that's like 50 bytes. So little pieces of data like that. And, you know, our world is a lot more connected than it's ever been. And people are trying to be smarter about where they route things. 
where things are, how things are operating to save like water and power and CO2 emissions and all of these things. We're, we're honestly kind of spoiled. Like we, we expect that everything will always be connected, yeah. right? Wherever we go. And I think that infrastructure is starting to be developed with that in mind, even like solar panels that are out in the desert or um, a weather monitoring sensor or a fire detection sensor in California or Australia or a buoy that goes across the ocean. Like people tend to want to be able to connect to these things and know what's going on to make decisions and take action in a lot of cases, which is where it's very valuable. So we realized that we had similar data rates to what some of the legacy satellite companies have. So companies like Iridium and Orbcom and Global Star that you might have heard of. And we were like, Jesus, our satellites are like 10,000 times smaller and cheaper to launch. And also the, the cost of launch is going down year by year with SpaceX and Rocket Lab and all these exciting companies. And we were like, hmm, for like $3 million, we could launch like our entire network of 150 satellites. That seems like it's probably like less than what a Series A would be in the Bay Area. And it all started to just like fall into place and also just kind of right time, right place. We knew some investors, we fly small planes and our flight instructor was like, this sounds like a business. You guys should chat with some investors. So we did. And some were really interested about, you know, interested in connectivity. This was 2016. So there was a lot of interest in Starlink was, was starting to be talked about one web project loon, which unfortunately just was canceled. Facebook had a solar powered UAV project that was also canceled And a lot of people were like, wow, these are aerospace programs that are very interesting, but they're very, very cost intensive and will take five years and billions of dollars. And we come along with this like cute little tiny satellite and we're like, we can do connectivity too. (laughs) Yeah. So that's really how it started. We got some great investment from social capital. They at that time had this like 40 world problems that they're working on and connectivity was one of them as well as, you know, a lot to do with air and water and weather and climate. And we interface with a lot of those areas. So it was like kind of a perfect fit for their thesis. And at that point, I was at Google X and I had had a a secretive satellite project killed. And I was like 30. And I was like, if I don't start a company now, I'm not sure I ever will. So yeah, that's how I did. And we had a term sheet. So that helped your job. I mean, leaving your job is always super scary, right? Like, how am I going to support myself and you know, your parents are like yelling at you about retirement and stuff like that. So <laughs> it seems like not the wise choice to do, but I would just say like all of those little organic things that happened led to me leaving and, and trying Swarm for a few years, the right decision. And here we are. Cool. Yeah. But I mean, so. if your parents are bugging you, you're just like, listen, mom and dad, I was, I made this hobby uh, satellite with my friend and our flight instructor was like, you should make it a business. And they're like, oh, never mind. Sounds super solid now. <laughs> They were like really skeptical. And I remember my mom was like, yeah, I told my friend that you were leaving Google. And she was like, why would she leave Google? Like as if that was like the the ultimate job. And then I think when my parents came and like they saw we had an office and we like raised, you know, 25 million for a series A a a year and a half later. And we have like 30 satellites in space and like customers and money. My parents were like, okay, like this might be legit. <laughs> they're like, still like maybe things might work out for Sarah. Like at Thanksgiving, they're like, we're thankful yeah. she's still trying. Yeah. Ooh, great effort. I think yeah. there was like, yeah, I think there was something in a Christmas letter and it was like, Sarah has quit her job to start a satellite company. And it was like, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> But, like, honestly, what motivates us more than, like, the skepticism of our parents, really? Like, I just feel like... Yeah, my, my, my parents were also like, why would why would you, like, get a PhD? Like, you're going to be miserable. Right, right. And I was like... I was miserable for four years, but after it was better. So I'm a doctor, so I feel like that's worth it. How... It sounds so much like the... Ben Sarah story is like interwoven in the founding of this company. Like, how do you decide who's CEO? Oh, that's a great question. Thank you. Yeah, that is a really good question. I think honestly, he he'd already been a CEO. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, he was like, that is like the less fun job because you have to. I mean, it's better for me, but maybe less fun for him because you have to deal with all of the like external stakeholders, internal stakeholders. It's a lot of admin, like banking, 
accounting. Like it's really not sexy. Like most of my days are like in not even like doing fun math in spreadsheets. It's like adding stuff in spreadsheets. It's like basic math. You're like, I got a PhD yeah. for this. It's like basic math. <laughs> yeah. It is nice though. Like I, I, you know, I can open any spreadsheet and make sense of it. I sometimes wonder like, wow, I wonder like, you know, for founders that maybe don't have as technical of a background, like there's just so much of it is, you know, math and data and yeah, like, and logic and decision-making and analytical. Like I, I really, like I take that for granted. I sometimes think, wow, I'm, I'm super lucky that I have that background. But to answer your question, yeah, I think he'd already done it, been through it. And he was like, you should do it. Like, you'd be good at it. And he was really supportive. (laughs) I think he also wanted to like, (laughs) I think he also wanted to like play in the garage and build stuff. And that's like, that's his happy place. And honestly, I think it suits our personalities better. Like, you know, you know, I kind of said I was like a little ADD and he's more focused and yeah, I think it's, I think it's good. There's definitely been times where I'm like, can we switch jobs? (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, nope. And we've talked about it. But... <laughs> no, get out of the garage. I'm he, working. He's like, well, we can't. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I can, but like, you know, our, our little sheet that separates our roles, it's like, it's hard to, like, you know, I do all of our launch deals and investment stuff. And it's like, to just like switch that person, it doesn't make any sense. There's so like four years of context there. And same, like, if I was just like, cool, now I'm going to like develop an electric propulsion system. Oh, wait, that's not my background. <laughs> so... <laughs> Would be fun. You should do like just a like a temporary swap, like just like a swapsies for like a for CEO like a couple a weeks at a time or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually slightly worried of like how that would go down. <laughs> like I think I'm a little too much in control right now. So yeah, I'd be like, we didn't order lunch, which isn't like obviously like there's team members that order lunch, <laughs> but like I'm like, hi, are we ordering lunch? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that's super funny. Yeah, don't do that, I don't think. There would be bigger issues. Yeah. I mean, as soon as you bring up the lunch, I'm like, no, deal's off. Like, well, let's not do this experiment. Because that's, that's serious right there. Uh, I like to also, this is this is often a podcast where me and Jordan share our, like, shortcomings for the, the general professional world. But, like, when you were talking about, like, oh, spreadsheets, like, being in spreadsheets, like, I was like, oh, man, our stupid arts backgrounds are doing nothing for us here. Like, we look at them, and I personally, I look at them, and I'm like, I don't know what to do with any of if this. If you this told is a huge me myth. what was on the spreadsheet, I could then go tell someone else, hey, <laughs> you know what was on that spreadsheet? <laughs> Let me tell you a little something. But I'd have to have the first part first, for sure. Yeah. That's, uh, Jordan just summed up our entire job in one That's what sad it is. little sentence. That's what it is, yeah. <laughs> With with flair though we do it with flair. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah. Flair's everything. Sarah, a question I have about like for the future for Swarm. Like, if you, it sounds like you're really so closely involved in a lot of this stuff, and it sounds like you really like that you have like the small team, right? But I mean, you're also hiring. What do you feel about that as it grows? How do you feel like you're going to feel about your role changing as you kind of like delegate more and as more people come on and stuff like that? Yeah, totally. So we are looking for electrical engineers, embedded firmware engineers, software engineers. That was my little plug. Check them out on our website. (laughs) That's our top audience demographics. (laughs) It's, It's crazy to me that we're already 30 people, right? We were like four and a half people for the first year and we got a lot done. So, you know, I think that you just kind of roll with it. I think that, you know, thinking about culture, which you guys were talking about, like your job kind of becomes an extension of you. I think the culture also becomes kind of an extension of the founders. So trying to maintain the, you know, the key values that we have and yeah, just trying to hire at a a clip that is acceptable where people have time to get integrated. I think if you're like 30 people and you hire like 20 people, you just, you just create like two clicks or maybe multiple clicks. I think if you hire like a few people a month, which has kind of been our cadence, you're able to keep that slow and steady growth. I mean, it freaks me out, honestly. Maybe you guys should interview someone that has like a company of 50 or 100 people and I can learn from them. But I think there's a lot of additional complexities. I like having a personal relationship with everyone. Like I talk to people every day and get to know them and I hear about their pets and their kids and what's going on in their lives. And I think that that becomes really difficult as you scale. And I think also just the communication thing of, you know, changing directions or not being super clear, like there's more opportunity for telephone tag to kind of get interfered and or get to interfere with kind of the message. 
So I think it, I think it becomes really difficult. I, I don't have the answers. I think just maybe keeping, keeping the same things that we've been, we've had so far have, has been pretty productive, but yeah, I, I don't know. Sorry that I don't have a better yeah. answer for that. <laughs> oh, that's a good answer. I sometimes yeah, yeah. saying, I don't know, honestly, yeah, I think that's a great answer. It's good when people don't it's, know. It's yeah. good when people, I mean, I think it's better than when people, so many people will not know and know that they not know and then be like, here's everything I know. And, just, yeah. <laughs> and I know. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, what? thanks for all of that nothing, like platitudinous bullshit. No, no thank you. Well, that's you. just for for the podcast, that's true, but also for like actually managing, right? Like, Because otherwise you're going to come in all rigid and you'll be like, this is the way that we're going to do things. And then if it doesn't work, you're fine. And then it breaks, right? Like a thing uh, I keep, I keep talking about places I worked and then I talk about anecdotes and then I'm like, uh Oh, uh, don't associate this with anyone in particular that I've already (laughs) talked about, but like, he's talking about me. (laughs) 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 But a thing I've seen happen is like, like there can be a disconnect where, a founder wants like that direct, direct control, right? And they want to be like really like in and connected and then they will isolate themselves and it'll be kind of like, this is like a, I, f- I feel like it's like this plates. It's like the plates on top of the planet sliding over top of like the magma core, right? So that's like moving all underneath and the plates are moving at a totally different thing and, and they don't realize that they're not connected, right? So like, I think that's one thing that can happen. I think it's a particular vice for startups and because because a lot of times founders can like try to isolate themselves and maintain that thing. it's like you said with like the 2030 right like it's it's kind of the same situation that would emerge if you like just lump on a whole other company that's the same size as your company basically yeah. overnight right there was a very interesting geological like reference yeah wow it was like pretty impressed I was expecting you to be like, there's one thoroughfare, and then you're like, no, but then there's crust and magma, and like, but I think, I think, taking me back to eighth grade. Yeah, that was good. That was good. I think, you know, sometimes we have this like vision of what we want our company to be and maybe what we want our culture to be. And I often have like candidates be like, describe your culture to me. And I'm like, well, I would like my culture. And I'm like, you know, describing like a Disney theme park. And then I'm like, you know what? Don't ask me that question. Ask somebody, ask other people that you're talking to that right. question. Cause I, I have a, a vision of what I want it to be and it's probably not right. So I would rather that you're getting a straight answer from like somebody on the team that actually experiences it. And hopefully it's not too far off from like my intention. And if it is, I want to know why. Cause like at least maybe I can work on that, but yeah. But that's good too. That's just like an awareness of like because of the nature of your relationship with your employees as a CEO, there's always going to be a certain amount of disconnect. Right. And as long as you know that that's there and then know that like the accurate reflection is going to be people with, with whom you don't have like a power imbalance is like the right way to go. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. yeah. And I try to do one-on-ones with, with most of the team every quarter, at least in my reports pretty often. And just like try to have a normal conversation with them and figure out what's going on, like what's frustrating you, what's energizing you, what do you, what would you do if you were me? I love these questions where you get to like really hear people's insights and they see things you don't see, so it's like super yeah. valuable. I find it almost more valuable for me than it is for them. Sometimes it's like a therapy session for me, and I'm like, yeah. I'm sorry, I like should be paying you more. Like, this isn't your job. <laughs> and when they tell you all the things that they they would do instead of you, you just make a list of it, and then later like roll them all out, and you're like, good thing I came up with those ideas myself. With no, help. I'd like to uh, briefly share a list of some of my creative thinking over the past couple months. <laughs> I think that's a way to lose trust, actually. Um, well, sometimes sometimes there's there's not a lot, which I find surprising and i also find i like take us a huge compliment i'm like oh they wouldn't do things differently that's nice to know that must feel good sometimes it does but it's not hopeful right like it's not constructive i would rather constructive and then if someone has a great idea no like give them full credit like that's people love to get credit especially in front of their colleagues right like that's like that is more valuable than a race to be like John had this great idea team and we're going to execute. And you just see John like all proud. And it's like, yeah, like give him that. It's his idea. I would totally take a raise over credit for my idea. Um, <laughs> and my anomaly in the past. <laughs> uh, it, <laughs> I'm an anomaly. Oh, God. 
That's a really good point. That's the only. I don't think that I'm very good at uh, my Getting job. <laughs> We're but both like, sitting here like, are we terrible? Like, are we worse yeah. than we thought we were? You got, you got a podcast. I think that's pretty cool. That's true. Like, I've never yeah. got a podcast, and like, I, I think you could make one if you want. <laughs> you should, yeah, you <laughs> could. It's, it's not. Bar. There's not a lot of barrier to entry. We just like got in here and started talking. <laughs> but like the one thing, the one thing I, I honestly do advise people that I think is really, really like is exactly what you just said. Like give people credit. Uh, credit is like, it's free essentially. And it makes people feel so, so good. And it makes people feel so, so valued. And also like if, in, in a leadership position, it's worth nothing to you effectively. Right? Like mm-hmm. there's no reason for you to take, credit that is someone else's like make sure that everybody gets that it's actually of value to you to give credit like this is one of the big lessons alexia taught me i know i said i never remember what people say to me but alexia was like if you're going to be in the spotlight be a mirror essentially is the way she put it like shine it on other people and i feel like it's been like the most useful thing because it actually builds so much value to be like oh this person did this amazing thing and they're like yeah i did i feel good and also like thanks for like noting that like we have more trust now and i feel like you're in support of me right like which Mm -hmm. is what you're going for totally cool well we just solved all the world's problems i feel like (laughs) right like high fives all around i know it's and it's perfect place to end is to be like we just solved management (laughs) there you go welcome <laughs> oh my god still so much to learn though yeah oh yeah for sure no sarah it's all done we just <laughs> did it right now all right that was our conversation with sarah spangella from swarm and yeah like we said that's a breath of fresh air especially if you're going through something similar i bet you love hearing that because i don't know if there's i look, look what is your I tone empathize. right now it's empathetic. Empathetic. Registering. What is my That's Daryl empathy. I felt better by the end of that conversation. I felt like, okay, like we're all just humans. We're all just trying to get get by. It was great. Yeah, but some of us are better than others. And like I feel like Sarah really exemplified that in just being so much better than us. And then also in her candor. I just felt like we, we got to the heart of a lot. And if you were here from the very beginning then you know that we said it wasn't like a business book. I think we delivered on that promise. Yeah, we hope you enjoy it. And we'll be back again, obviously, with more found every week. Every week we're here. And if you just go rate us five stars in the podcast rating apps, it's five, right? Why do I keep forgetting? I don't know. Go rate us. My dog's freaking out. So five stars is great. Five stars for Dick. Found is hosted by myself, TechCrunch news editor Daryl Etherington, and TechCrunch managing editor Jordan Crook. We are produced by Ashad Kulkarni and edited by Grace Mendenhall. TechCrunch's audio products are managed by Henry Pekovet. Our guest this week was Sarah Spangello, co-founder and CEO of Swarm. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and on Twitter at twitter.com slash found. You can also email us at found at techcrunch.com with any feedback, and you can call us and leave a voicemail at 510-936-1618. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.